What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Hello, I'm Robert Webb and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined as always by Rob Graham. Hello. And this week we're we're fast approaching the end of series five, so we're on episode five of series five, which is called Jeremy's Manager. How are you doing, Rob? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Uh, uh, good weather as always. Just uh, just come back from a, a cheeky trip to McDonald's. Now now we're up and running. I'm, I'm going there all the time. I'll tell you what, I had my first one on Thursday and it was bloody glorious. Oh, so, so good. The arrival of the Uber Eats driver last weekend. We had our first one last weekend and the arrival of the Uber Eats driver. It was like, you know, the scene where Big Sue's arrives and Jeremy runs through and uh, he's like, Sue, Big Sue's is here. <laughs> like, I was upstairs and I heard the door go and I scampered down the stairs. I was like, yes, the Big Mac meal is here. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, no, I, I went and, uh, and picked one up. I hadn't thought about Uber Eats, actually. Um, but it, it was very, very good. And uh, I know before, like a week or... No, when did it open? Like two, three weeks ago now, probably? It was probably longer than that because we're in Peterborough and we were one of the few places that had a McDonald's open. Like and the internet of... hated us, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, out of like out of like the thirty six McDonald's that opened, six of them were in Peterborough. It was really yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, no, we waited until they'd opened up on mass, and then we've done we've done a couple of a couple of trips since then. Oh, I, I went through the drive through, and to be fair, because I'd waited a while, it was actually fine. I got straight through, but very, very good. Anyway, we're not on McDonald's podcast. We're uh, <laughs> we're a peep show one. Um, but... Although, if McDonald's want to offer us a sponsorship, then uh, we're always we're always up for it. Yeah, gotta put on so much weight if that happened. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. Okay. Um, right. Let's uh, shout out the patrons, shall we? Because we've had a a flurry of new patrons show their support which has been really really great to see we have so i will do it in ascending order from when they first signed up we've got so many now i'll try and sort of go in chronological order so from the from the originals we've got 
uh, Darren Friedrichs, Dave Pink, Mike Kavanagh, Trisha Tenzia, Laurie Johnson, Daniel Thompson, Robert Horvath, Andrew Mason, Doug Simpson, Alex Watson, Joel johansson Byberg, and then since last week, oh no, sorry, John Fraser and Michael Collins. And then since last week, we've then gained Tweetchers, whose real name I believe is Dara, uh, Toby Irving, Ellen Street and Thomas Burton. So welcome along to the podcast, guys. A big shout out to your your patronage. Big thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's quite the gang now, those lot. Is it 17 of them? Yeah, 17. We've gone from the Magnificent Seven to the Magnificent 17. We've, uh, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've grown and a big shout out to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for your support. As usual, if you are interested at all about uh, checking out the Patreon, I'll leave a, a link in the description down below. And we've got uh, sort of at the end of this series, we've got quite a few sort of special episodes coming up. And if you sign up for certain tiers of the Patreon, you will get those episodes early. So if you is something you're interested in now, it's sort of the prime time, I would say, to to get on it. Absolutely. Cool. OK, right. Let's uh, start with the synopsis and then we'll go into some general thoughts. And as usual, Rob, you've collected some uh, fan opinions as well, haven't you? I have, yeah. Cool. Okay, so here's the synopsis for Jeremy's manager. Jeremy and Superhands finally get their big break when they meet the dominating character of Callie, who agrees to be their manager. However, when their first major gig is at a Christian rock festival, Jeremy becomes less enthused. Mark, convinced that she may be the one, tags along as a roadie to get closer to Callie before discovering she's about to do a number on Jeremy. So, what should we open with the the fan opinions? Yeah, so I think it's a bit of a sort of a bit of a mixed match of of opinions. Uh, Thomas Burton, who I presume is the same Thomas Burton who has just signed up for our Patreon, uh, has just said one of the weaker episodes in the series overall. Superhands definitely carries the episode with some pretty memorable lines. I feel that Callie is somewhat similar to Saz, a somewhat unlikable character, but not one that the audience responds well to. And I have to say, I disagree with him, but I'll talk about that in a minute. I would say this episode is pretty average and very forgettable, but big up the darty backgammon club. <laughs> um, uh, Harry Clough says, which one of... Oh, that's a question. So he says, which one of Mark's rebounds this series do you think he was most suited to? So Joseph Pierce said, did Mark take it too far... Uh, smashing the crystal skulls i know if its healing powers are so good maybe it can heal itself but was it too far just smashing it for no apparent reason and alex young sort of echoes what harry clough was saying about which of the ones of this series you think was mark's best match so i think th there's a bit of a focus on Callie on this on this episode and i think to be honest i really really like Callie. So do I. I think she is brilliant. She's the best bit about this episode, with the possible exception of, like, hands. I think has some really good bits. I agree with Thomas Burton to an extent. I don't think it's necessarily the strongest episode in the series. And lots of bits, I watched it again this morning, lots of bits of it, I was like, it's just a bit of an odd one, really. It 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 could have probably fitted into any part of this series, and I think any of the episodes in this series could have gone in any order, really, with the possible exception of the first one. Yeah, completely. I agree they're with all, that. They're all quite standalone episodes with the with the thread of Mark's one going all the way through them. Yeah, and because that just, you know, leaps from one place to another, you're right, they could kind of just slot in any order they want because we get no continuation with that story, really. 
Like, it doesn't really matter if Saz comes before or after Callie or... I think you're right that the first one kind of needs to be where it is because Mark's obviously reeling from the wedding. But other than that, yeah, I think for the most part they're interchangeable. Um, I think I completely agree with you about Callie, though. Um, I think she's fantastic. I think she's really good. The thing I had down in this uh, in my notes for this episode was just I think it's just a good all-round just fun episode. Like, it doesn't really take itself too seriously not that a lot of peep show does to be honest but it i kind of got the i thought back to the only fools and horses episode with you know how dell always says you know this time next year we'll be millionaires and then there's that special way in the future where you know they actually make it and then this sort of feels a bit like jeremy keeps banging on about what a you know how his music career is going to take off one day but he's just not been discovered yet and like obviously it's not on the same scale but I think they just have quite a bit of fun of like we see you know the what if Jeremy actually did make it and of course it's only going to last for an episode but I think it's good fun to watch it. Well I love one of my favourite lines of this episode is where Jeremy finds out that they're playing obviously originally they're playing the um, the Festivus aren't they the Wolverhampton Festivus and he just turns to Mark and he's just like wee like I told you I was going to make it I'm going to leave all of you people behind like he just completely shits on Mark and it's really reminiscent of when he gets the commission from Gog in series two. And he's just like, wait, I'm leaving all you rats behind in the rat race. And I just think obviously it's just the premonition of knowing exactly what's going to happen to him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Like it is a kind of a sign of what happens if this had been the start of Jeremy's music career? What happens if he had suddenly uh, just taken a different, different direction or, uh, or even if, like, Mark... What would have happened to Mark if that had happened? The the whole storyline would have been completely different. But obviously we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I think from the, the beginning, like, you, you see they open within the record label office and you know that this is never going to... Like, by the end of the episode, like, whatever it is that comes of this, it will be done by the end and they'll be back to how they are because that's just sort of, like, a bit of the formula of how it works. But I think it's great to just see the, you know, the, the what-if... Like, even if it's just for, for one episode, I think it's just a, a, f- a fun one. It's not, you know, one of the, the stronger episodes of the series, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. And like you say, like, Hans comes out with some great stuff. And I really think Callie is one of the, the stronger one-episode characters. I think she has a brilliant impact. I like she wedges herself between Mark and Jez, so you get that, you know, bit of conflict there. And I think she's just generally, like, quite a, a breath of fresh air. I don't think there are many characters like her in the show other than perhaps ben sort of came to mind a bit but i find callie far more entertaining and far more watchable than ben the shit but i think what's really key with callie is there aren't really many strong female characters as in uh confident and strong female characters in the show like sophie we've talked about over and over again very up and down and isn't particularly strong towards anybody Callie is very much I don't give a shit I'm gonna get my way I'm gonna tell you how it is I'm gonna tell you to fuck off I'm gonna stop Jeremy mid shag like all of these sorts of things I can't really think of any other female character in the show not even Dobby is like that and that's the sort of the closest other person where Mark and Jez are both fighting over her Mm. and I think because Mark and Jez are quite weak in their character 
in the sense of like they are looking for somebody else to take charge of a lot of their situations this is the first episode where they properly have somebody who comes in and takes charge of the situation she's definitely a sort of grab the ball by the horns type and some of the stuff she comes out with i mean like she knows what she wants and she doesn't really care about trampling over anyone which is very mark and jez to be honest they're willing to stab anyone in the back because that they like to get what they want and she's a bit the same but yeah i think she's a breath of fresh air definitely yeah i really like it there's something weirdly like attractive about the character of Callie as well and the fact i think it is just because she is such like a go-getter and like a i'm not going to take any shit from anyone like every bloke likes says they don't like the idea of having a, a like being with a woman who is sort of like the go-getter and powerful but there is something about Callie that I quite like in that aspect yeah I, I don't know how like I'd get along with her like if it was me with her particularly over any like period of time but I think as a, a one-off I think she's brilliant yeah for sure and I think uh Nikki Wardley who plays her like does a fantastic job yeah nails it absolutely nails it um okay right should we get started with the episode then let's go for it so we start this episode in the fancy offices of a record label and uh, Jeremy and Hans appear to be waiting for a meeting and uh, Jeremy is obviously very excited um, and, and the way he's saying like it, he's excited but it's almost like the you know bloody hell like about time because he's just like record company meeting finally and it's as though they've had all these failed opportunities in the past like what do we know that's happened to them? They've had that one gig in this series where they've gone and played the fuck bunker. Well, they didn't even make it, did they, on stage in the end? Yeah, very true. So, but their opportunities, they've probably only had two or three opportunities in the entire time that we've known them. They seem to have had more changes of their name than they have, like, <laughs> actual musical opportunities. <laughs> true, very true. And I think as well, the the thing to point out about their spot at the, the fuck bunker was only earned because of Barney's uh, musical talent. Like, they didn't get it off their own yeah. back, did they? And it did just leave me thinking, like, how on earth have they managed to get this meeting? Well, I wonder whether they've this is a follow-on from that and they have just sent off more of barney's demos to more record labels and they're just still coming back to them because record labels don't come back to people overnight like they might have heard it, it might be at the bottom of the pile and they've gone oh yeah actually this is quite decent and if you think very quickly after this Callie says like oh they've listened to their tr your track and they think it's shit no well she says they no she says they loved it but they're not interested well, okay, so implying that they didn't like it, but she she can't break the bad news to them. And if if that's Barney's track, and or 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 whether it's one of their tracks, it's still not necessarily a good uh, idea of what their music's actually like. True, yeah. Um, so yeah, Jeremy and Hans are sort of hanging out in the in the lobby, and Hans, sort of in quite classic Super Hans fashion, is a bit cautious about sort of getting into bed with the man, the management, and all that. Yeah, but we've got to watch it. A lot of these bastards just want to give you an advance, promote your stuff, and then make a profit for them and you. And we've talked about it before, Hans being so, like, anti-the man. Mm. But this is... What else are you in it for? Jeremy is clearly in it to be a famous musician and to get the money. Like, he talks all the time about how he's going to be wealthy when he, when he finally makes it. 
But Han seems to be like, oh, no, they're, all they're going to do is they're, they're going to do what we want them to do, make a success out of us, and then make us money and make themselves money. Like, you've got to watch them. I, I think it's funny as well that... Um, so they're at the, the Universal offices, aren't they? That's the, the label that they're at. And I, I find it a bit... I wonder... These two would probably moan so much about going with a, like a label the size of Universal, which just seems so mainstream. And when you think about the fact it's Universal, like... They're a big record label. Enormous, like, yeah. Like, no, not like getting some sort of... Like, Ben's level of record label that go and watch Superhands' gig later on. Like, this... Like, they're a massive label. It's 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 bizarre how they've managed to even walk into this. Um, but, actually, Jeremy reveals a little bit of how they might have got in. Because he says, we've got an in. Pedge's sister's mate in the legal department. Once you're inside legal, that's it. Game over. So, whether they know... Or whether they've spoken to Pedge's sister's mate in the legal department at this point, or whether if stuff starts to look a bit iffy, they're going to say, "Oh, well, we know Barbara in in legal who might be able to sort of swing it for us if it's not going well." Um, but before we get the chance to find out too much more about Pedge's sister's mate, uh, Callie appears, doesn't she, and introduces herself as the presumably not the head of the label, but certainly the person that's going to be dealing with them. Yeah, sourcing talent or something. And I like how she casually drops that she's finalising the Chemical Brothers' uh, latest contract. And that's just, like, music to Jeremy's ears. Pardon the awful pun there, but, like, he he feels like he's hit, won the lottery there. But Han sort of remains a bit more sceptical, doesn't he? So, I checked out your stuff on MySpace, and I literally freaked. Big time. Yeah, see, I'm so right to get us on the internet. The internet's going to be massive. I keep telling you. Yeah, we'll see. Which is so, like, I found even I found it funny back then, but looking back even in 2020, like, it's almost entirely internet-based, isn't it, music now? Downloads, streaming in particular. Um... But this was 2008. Like, 2008 would have been quite, maybe not internet-based massively, but, like, Facebook and all that sort of stuff was up and running. The internet was... And I'm going to be really careful what I say here because we actually had an email over the week from a from a guy who basically said we've been talking a lot about like mobile phones back in 2003, 2004 and how not many people had mobile phones. And we've been very, very um, abruptly corrected that lots of people did have mobile phones. This wasn't like the 1980s. Well, yeah, I think mobile phones go yeah, back to about the 80s, don't they? But I think there's definitely like a culture now. Like I remember back then, like, you know, we had, fo- I had a phone in 2003, but there wasn't quite the same culture where everyone was glued to them texting was just like the the primary form of communication like that wasn't really a thing because you were still getting charged 10p a text so i remember people having to cram in their message to as few characters as possible and and things like that it was definitely different back then but if you think things like napster were founded in like 1999 so those things had been around that that was the primary music sharing place back then wasn't it and that was and that would be so that had been around for nearly ten years at that point. And people, people, the first iPhone and stuff were out by this point. I think yeah, I think the first iPhone was two thousand and seven or something. So I mean, iTunes was definitely a thing. I think though that the CD market is definitely still massive, whereas now it's you know semi irrelevant, isn't it? It's all about streaming. Well, later on in this episode, that girl comes in, doesn't she? And she gives Jeremy a, a copy of the CD and says, "Can you pass this along to the record label?" And actually, you wouldn't get that now. 
No, you just send the... Well, A, you wouldn't be able to get close enough to bands nowadays, but you would just send the... You'd send your mixtape, not your mixtape. That makes me sound a lot older. <laughs> you'd send, like, your audio file. You'd send your MP3 over to the company, wouldn't you? You wouldn't even bother, like, giving them a physical copy of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, I guess Hans perhaps is a bit right to be sceptical because... You know, you hear quite a lot now about streaming services, like the artists don't make anywhere near as much as they used to off it. They're sort of, you get people like Taylor Swift pulling their music um, because then they don't feel like they're getting the money they deserve. So maybe Hans is a bit right to, to be sceptical. And if you fast forward to like series nine, they get that money from being on a YouTube video. So they have made money from the internet, like... 10 years yeah. later <laughs> i mean i think jeremy got 250 quid or something didn't he He didn't get very much but yeah <laughs> royalties are the way forward for them but uh callie says like i love the name as well and i'm trying to remember what their name was at this point is it the hair blair bunch uh it could be um yeah i'm not sure if we hear what it is when uh, they do the the fuck bunker gig do we no, could, Danny Dyer's Chocolate hair. Homunculus is a lot later. Yeah, it could be the Hair Blair Bunch. But they've anyway, by this point, they've changed it. And, uh, Hans says, oh, we've changed the name now. We're now called Kirsty's Metal Hands. Phenomenal well, name. It, it's funny that because I didn't realise until I was doing my notes for this and I had the subtitles on just because it was easier to get certain quotes and things. Now, I forever thought that this was Curse These Metal Hands, but it turns out it's curses metal hands like that's what comes up in the in the um the subtitles uh, and i thought maybe that just the subtitles were wrong and i tried to re-listen really closely and now i was just thrown into doubt no i think it is kirsty's metal hands because that's the name of another band another song by another band oh okay well i'm really glad because I, I didn't know who Kersey or what Kersey was, and I googled it, and it turns out it's some random village in Suffolk or somewhere like that. But I, I much prefer Curse These Metal Hands. That sounds way cooler to me. So Yeah, and it makes more sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, hardly any of these names make sense, but I it it definitely has a better image in its in in my head. I always thought it was Curse These Metal Hands. Um but yeah, so it turns out Hans has changed it. I mean, they changed their band name like once a fortnight, don't they? So um, Callie's already um, out of date. But it turns, she likes the new name as well, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. But she drops the next bomb, which is that Universal aren't interested. But it turns out Callie is because uh, she's trying to source her own acts and she wants to sign them up herself. Yeah, what do you think about this? Like, what are your your thoughts around... I know it's not necessarily a big deal within within the episode, but like I suppose they're they they just want to jump straight into any any situation. Just have some random person they don't really know being like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna try and start up afresh with no background. Like I'd always be slightly dubious of that. I think any sensible person would. I think Jez and Hans. I mean, they talk about it for all of twenty seconds, don't they? And they both acknowledge. I don't trust her. Yeah, she scares me. Let's fucking go for it. And that's it. <laughs> well, what I find really interesting in the like the next back and forth that Callie and Hans and Jeremy have... Any questions? Yeah, uh, there are certain countries within the European Union that aren't barred from entering. You got a problem with that? 
No. I'm a very sexual performer. Are you going to be able to handle that? Yes. And the camera comes back to Jeremy and he does this almost like disappointed face as though, oh, you're meant to go, no, that would be too much for me to handle. Yeah, I, I think the thing with there with Jez is, is that Hans has a legitimately sort of quite edgy thing. And I, th- I get the impression that he's just like, shit, like I have to match that somehow. Like, so he just comes up with the fact that he's a overly sexual performer. And I mean, we saw his stint of trying to warm up the crowd at the fuck bunker and uh, there was nothing sexual about that. It was just an awkward two minutes. Like, are you ready? And we've seen other little bits where he's playing music and there's nothing that impressive about him. So I think he just felt the need to come up with something. Well, we've seen his dancing when he does the outrageous. <laughs> Maybe that's in the in the DVD extras. He certainly has a bit of a... Uh, a weird dance when he's when he's doing the outrageous song so maybe that's what he's considering a sexual performance yeah maybe um but i love callie's attitude here she's so to the point i I think it's hilarious and um she she has no problem like they're trying to say like oh we've got these edgy things about us do you mind she's like yeah next like what else you got like i'm ready for anything um, and she quite quickly asks them to make a decision on whether they're going to do this or not. So, I want a yes or no right now. Take your time, but if there's a lot of fucking about, that for me is a bad sign. Yeah, it's, she's just a very stereotypical, like, hardline manager. Like, she's there's so many of those in comedy shows and in non-comedy TV shows and in real life <laughs> where it's just like, I'm not taking any bullshit, I'm in here, I'm going to say to you, you need to do this. It needs to be done straight down the middle. No namby-pamby either side. It is what it is. You make a decision. Get on with it. Yeah, there's a bit of Johnson in a, at that point, I think. That's very yeah, much his approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Jez and Hans have that little team talk, like we said, but within seconds, they're just like, yeah, fuck it, let's go for it. And uh, I guess that's a deal. Yeah, and things seem to escalate quite quickly from there. And I don't know what period of time we're talking about, but the next scene is Jeremy and Callie making their way back from presumably celebrating signing the contract. Yeah, but I think this is the same night, isn't it? Because Callie's wearing the same clothes. Um, so, yeah, I guess they've just very quickly agreed terms. I mean, we we know almost for certain that Jez and Hans probably didn't read the contract. They just signed where the dotted line was. Um, so who knows what kind of shit deal they're getting. Callie probably taking about 85% of the profits. Um but yeah, Jeremy and Callie coming back together. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how Jez has managed to pull that off. God, we're so horny. We're like a pair of porn stars who aren't on antidepressants or anything. So, this is where the magic happens. That's right. And you're the magician. I guess so. I am a bit magic. Would you be able to show me some magic? <laughs> okay, here we go. God, we are so hot after the cab. I wonder if I'll be able to do all the stuff she was whispering in my ear. Might need a good foothold somewhere, or a harness. And I'm like, Jesus, what was she <laughs> suggesting? But Jerry seems to pick these very, like, sadistic, like, like oh, S&M-type girls. Like that, what was her name back in Series 2? Series uh, 3, maybe. Carla. Carla. Carla, that's it, yeah. Yeah, the, the defendant. And, like, she was a bit of a... He made a comment back then about... God, I like edgy sex, but even for me, that was that was inhumane. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know like how women enter Jeremy's bedroom and think, yeah, like 
this is the guy that I want to hook up with. Because again, you know, his room is the same as it was in series one, of course, but the way he's just crudely painted around his furniture, he's got all these like cringy, the one I noticed this time was on the door, he's got like um, a warning sign or something, but there's just like, the, the image like on the sign is two people like going at it doggy style and stuff. It's just like, it's a teenage boy's bedroom, not a man's. Yeah, and they make really good efforts of the camera work there to pan to make sure you see the the bit where he's painted around. I don't even know what it is in the corner, but he's painted literally around it and not even all the way to the edge of it. It's just a big patch of like magnolia wall and then yeah. white orange <laughs> next to it. Um, but Callie sticks to her, like what we know about her already and just turns to Jeremy and is like, some dicking around, let's get going. Like, <laughs> there's, no, there's no messing around whatsoever. She's like, oh, well, I would have liked a bit more foreplay, but apparently I've got to perform on demand. Don't be bitter. This is going to be great. And then that monologue that Jeremy has there is so long. And obviously we see him like starting to get down to it. And you can just see he is putting in no enthusiasm whatsoever. Like it's very similar to what happens when he has sex with the therapist, like a lot later on where she says like, you can go for it, Jeremy. And he's like, I thought I was going for it, but (laughs) You telling me to go for it makes me think I wasn't. Is his his attitude towards sex is very uh, non-committal. Well, it, it's a funny one because I think a lot of people do like every now and then like strange thoughts come into their head when they're getting down to it. But for someone like Jeremy, who spends almost all his time when he's not having sex thinks about having sex when he's finally getting down to it it's bizarre that his mind then seems to just drift and he he goes on this long uh monologue about the scart leads doesn't he and how he could set up the vcr and all this all this other stuff especially when he's in a situation that he wants to be in sometimes he's having sex with somebody that he's not interested about like he's had sex with sarah several times where his internal monologue is just wandering but this is a situation that he's wanted to be in like he's clearly up for it when he gets back yeah exactly and he he acknowledges to himself before his mind runs away with him about the scart cable saying like it's very important for my future career development that i give my manager an orgasm and then immediately proceeds to just be absent-minded and it's just sort of rubbing up against her with no real effort it seems and Callie's having none of it, is she? Well, his point of view, when it's just looking down at her face, she, her emotions just don't change. Like she's got a completely blank face the whole way through it. And the fact that she then stopped him. Jeremy. Yeah. Do you think this is going well? E- uh, yes. No, it's not really working. Oh, I, I thought it was. What's working about it? Well, um, now we're talking about it, it is maybe withering under the lights a little bit. Let's not kid ourselves. There's nothing going on here. (laughs) We're just two planks of wood rubbing against each other. Do you think? If you want, I could put a finger... Let's just forget this ever happened and get some shut-eye, yeah? That sort of question, mate, like, I can't imagine (laughs) ever being told midway through, like, uh, do you think what you're doing is, is, is working? Yeah, it's amazing. I like... I mean, she gives him all of about 15 seconds as well. It's like no time at all before she's like, this is shit. Like, 
let's let's stop where we are it's that bad she's just very much uh it's my way or the highway like no fucking around but it does make you wonder like (laughs) it makes you wonder like what his normal when he talks in his internal monologue about his sexual like exploits and he talks about the things he does a lot later with elena the way he does stuff with nancy like it does make you wonder whether his technique is just basically humping and i think she then just says like look this is this is shit basically let's stop and she just says oh we should just get some sort of sleep instead and then that's it the whole thing is done and i think for most people i mean mark would be a prime example like that would be cripplingly awkward but she doesn't seem to care she's more than happy to just to stay the night still after going into jeremy's home and saying he's a shit shag stop him halfway through and be like all right let's get some some kip so yeah they they go to sleep and we we arrive the next morning mark's in the kitchen um and we we start with a, a classic mark monologue jeremy's getting a manager i'm getting divorced maybe he'll end up happy and successful and i won't that would be typical I do everything society demands and die in a ditch. He sits on his ass and accidentally shits a golden egg. Well, that's one of the things with Jeremy, is he never really gets his comeuppance for anything. And it's a bit of a thread throughout the whole show. And no point, even even in this episode, like, and throughout the whole of this series, he doesn't get any sort of comeuppance for any bad actions that he has. Um, I did notice, though, that this is a really late entrance for Mark. Like, we don't normally have this long but with just one scene like the first section with just jeremy and hands or and callie we don't see mark for like the first two or three minutes of the episode which is actually quite a long time in thinking back to the other ones that we've reviewed he comes in uh, in very typical mark fashion though he opens very strongly yeah absolutely so callie walks in asks for a drink uh, tropicana get the best screw the rest um and but Mark's preoccupied. I think he wasn't really expecting her to to come in, um, and he's worried about his boxers not providing enough coverage for. I think one of his his uh, the scrotum that is always deemed abnormal, um, and he's worried about uh, covering it up. And we get a lot of camera angles at this point where people seem to glance down a lot. So there's yes. definitely something. Where even when Jeremy comes in, he looks down at, at Mark's boxes, which I thought was a, was a really nice touch. But Mark in his monologue, and they're bouncing back and forth about the peanut butter and the orange juice. In his monologue, Mark says something about uh, maybe, is there a button there? Maybe sitting back is going to pull the whole thing open. Oh, it might be sexy, like small glimpse <laughs> of ball sack. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know what girls think, but I can't imagine that. A glimpse of Baltac sticking out the side of your boxes is sexy to any girl. <laughs> Agree with you there. Um, and Callie makes a comment about how her date has cancelled on her, which leads Mark to sort of question, like, hold on, like, I thought you and Jeremy were sort of a thing. Um, but she's very much to the point. It's just, like, simply business. Um, and uh, Jeremy comes in at that point, doesn't she, doesn't he? And uh, she talks about him like he's not there. Oh, Jeremy and I aren't dating. We're strictly business, aren't we, Jeremy? Uh, yeah. He's great, but he's really not my type. Jeremy's the kind of guy who talks the talk, but when it comes down to it, he's just never going to deliver the goods. Isn't that right? This guy, this isn't your house. You're not yeah, moaning to your girlmates about it. You're talking to the guy who brought you home. Admittedly, you are the power in the in the relationship between you and Jeremy because you're his manager. 
but you're still in his house drinking his drink, eating his food, and but the mood switches from talking about Jeremy to then when she makes the comment, and I do think it's quite funny. It's so frustrating. There must be thousands of cash-rich and time-poor singles out there. I just don't have the time to meet them. I'm a gap in the market. Somebody fill me. I'll fill you. I love you, Callie. You are the one. Let's get married by Sir Alan Sugar and live off all butter croissants in Canary Wharf. We're five for five, aren't we, for the ones? We're going strong still. Um, but, and before Callie heads off, um, she does sort of throw Jeremy a bone um, and says that... Uh, so, Jez, good news. I'm sending them a CD, but looks like you're playing the new Axe Tent at Festivus. Really? Festivus? I'm playing the Wolverhampton Festivus? Oh, my God, Mark, I'm in the money. Everything's going to be all right. I am going to be a legend. And you and all of this depressing shit will just be a little footnote in the massive biog of how rich and fucked up I eventually became. And you just think, wow, nice one, Jez. Like, Mark, like, put, practically putting the food on the table for you for years and you're ready to forget him immediately. Yeah, just shit on everybody on your way up to greatness. On greatness in, in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so we arrive in the next scene. Boys are packing up to go on tour, aren't they? And uh, and Hans sort of delivers the goods. Like you say, a very strong episode for Hans uh, and the way he opens up. It's going to be brutal. On the way here, I was almost wishing I was going to get hit by a bus for my body's sake so it didn't have to suffer the pure fucking hell I'm going to put it through. So... What sort of stash have you brought? What, you kidding? A band does not take a stash to a fest. You are a V.I. mother-humping P. Just open your gob and someone will slip in something tasty. A pill, a nipple, a bit of fried halloumi, lovely. Yeah, and Hans delivers the lines in this scene in such... And actually, the whole way through this episode, he delivers them in such a matter-of-fact... Not monotone, but just matter-of-fact sort of way. And Jez is buzzing around like he's an excitable little puppy. Cool. What's those? Something a bit red hot for downtime. Don't pigeon army, dude. Barchester Chronicles. Ecclesiastical politics when you're high. These guys really knew how to do a fucking number on each other. Starring one Alan Rickman, I noticed is quite prominent on the front cover of that. Yeah, definitely. R.O.P. Alan Rickman, British great right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Mark then appears looking very typically Mark. He's got he's got like leather gloves on, like a black leather jacket that he makes a comment about. Oh, it's a tour jacket. It's, it's leather, but it's got lapel, so I can wear it for work. And he's resorted as well to... He's actively booked time off work to join them. So it, it's sort of he's going down the April route where he's starting to to stalk a bit to get to who he wants, uh, who he thinks the one is. And it is very much... I suppose this was slightly different for me because I had a younger sister. But like... I can imagine, like, guys who have a younger brother being like, oh, God, like, I've actually got a chance of doing something quite cool with my mates this weekend. And I'm like, I've got to take my younger brother with me. He's decided he's going to come. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and mum's not here. To, and mum's telling us I've got to take him. So <laughs> this is slightly different because obviously they don't have to take him. Yeah, I like how Hans tries to deter him a little bit. He comes out with another great line. It's like, we want to wallow in our own filth, Mark. Have a good old fucking wallow. Like, can we make it any clearer to you that we do not want you to come? Definitely, but Mark still is persisting, saying that uh, drugs, birds and physical labour, there must be specialties. But Jeremy's called him out and knows exactly why he's going. He says, this is because of Callie, that's why you wanted to come. You wanted to have a pop at the champ. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's so see-through. I mean, everything about that sentence of the drugs, birds, the physical labour, them's me specialties, not only the pronunciation very non-mark, but, you know, all three of those, you could put a resounding uh, cross rather than a tick through for, for Mark. Yeah, absolutely. So Mark goes with them. So guys, good news about Festivus. They listened to your CD and they loved it and now they don't want you to play the fest. What? And the brilliant thing is, I've pulled in a massive favour and I've got you on the bill at Life 08, one of the fastest growing Christian rock festivals out. And this, I think, every time I say a hands line, I'm like, no, this is the best one. But this whole interchange here, I think the only part of this episode where I actively, like, belly laughed out loud, just because it's so unlike hands, but it's just so hilarious. You've booked us to play a Jesus fest. It's a great circuit to get on. What do you think, Jez? It is still a fest. Yeah, but we're cool. We've got credibility. But if we play a Jesus gig, we'll be selling our souls. Yeah, but Jesus is the best person to sell your soul to. That's his whole setup. So they have this vote as to whether they go or not. Mark gets a vote, and I'm not really sure why. Well, Jeremy's very quick to cancel his vote out, isn't it? So it goes <laughs> down to the three of them. Uh, I love the, the impression that Jeremy does of Mark. Yeah. Actually a really good, I mean... You know, Robert Webb's known David Mitchell for, for many years, even, you know, at this stage. And uh, I can imagine this impression has come out many times because he really does a great job. Well, from a business point of view... Well, I, from a business point of view... I think you made the right decision. I think you made the right decision. Jeremy, we agreed not to do the funny voices after that week. Which is one of those great unanswered questions of Peep Show, isn't it? What what happened in that week that meant they're not a, that Jeremy is not allowed to do impressions of Mark anymore? Yeah, so ultimately, uh, Jez gets outvoted. Callie and Hans are, are up for for doing the the Christian gig, um, so that sort of settles it really. Um, so we next arrive at the actual festival. I think Jez is worried a bit about you know the the Christian vibe sort of cramping their style and it cuts to someone downing a drink at first and it's not quite sure not quite clear what's going on um but it turns out to be uh jez and it's coca-cola that he's downing a two liter bottle of yeah which transpires is the most exciting thing that's going to happen and jeremy pretending he's like oh it's not such a bad thing like the festival being strictly drugs and drink free like this will this could be quite good and hans does this dive down to the floor and then throws himself up into the air and he's like head rush that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna work this, this one <laughs> i do yeah i do love the imagination and the creativity from hands there like he knows like if there is some form of high like hands knows how to get it <laughs> yeah so um a girl comes over to give them the cd and jeremy and hands disappear off with them and i say oh we're gonna we're gonna make a, a spliff out of what is it like no nutmeg and Banana, banana skin, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As well as the um, the the joint with the banana peel, Hans comes out with this awful line, which is like, oh yeah. Plus, the shit under my fingernails has probably got loads of gear in it, and I just think, oh Christ, like the depths of depravity, where Hans has probably got a couple of grams of coke like ingrained under his nails that he's then going to try and suck out. Just a horrifying image. Absolutely horrific. But Mark and Callie are left behind. Now I have to raise an issue here, and I hate okay. to be—I hate to be the stickler. Mark pulls out like a ring-binded, uh, laminated cover folder of Christian rock. When has he done that? Because they were oh, meant to be going point. to Festivus, 
until about 20 minutes ago. They've then gone to Life 08, unless it's a different day and they've had to go home and go back somewhere else. Even then, he's got a whole portfolio of work. When has he done that? Yeah, I never thought of that. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a different time. I'm not sure. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I didn't pay particular attention to whether they were wearing the same clothes and stuff when they arrive at Festivus as opposed to as when they arrive at Life I Wait as opposed to when they were arriving at Festivus. But Callie's really impressed by it anyway. It's great they're doing this. You know, the download market alone for Christian Rock is estimated at 40 million plus. <laughs> I've actually put together a bit of research on... Wow. Ring binding, laminated cover, copyright symbol. I'm impressed, Mark. Thank you. This is interesting. Tell me what you thought of the rehearsal today, honestly. Well... Actually, one thing did occur, not, not wanting to be horrible to Jeremy, but Superhands did seem more like the kind of person you'd expect to see in a, in a band like this. He's fuckable. I'm sorry? It's an industry term. It means someone might want to fuck him. Interesting. And it goes from being, like, asking Mark casually what he thought to, right, let's, let's sideline Jez, get, get hands to the forefront. And Mark realises what that is doing and I would imagine Mark is savvy enough to realise that Callie is going to make Mark the fall guy for the decision. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a strange one because Callie's had no problem telling people that they're shit until this point. So I did find it a little bit surprising personally that she sends Mark on the mission. Because she doesn't need to do it, does she? It, it... I guess. And if she's thinking of Mark as being part of the team... I think she's just be like, well, you can go and do that then. It gives me one less thing to do. I've already shit on Jeremy about how bad he is in bed. This might, like, kill him if he, if he realises I'm doing this as well. Yeah, I, I really like the, you know, Hans is a star, Jeremy's a second stringer. Like, let's fuck him. Like, this is our dick, that's Jeremy's asshole, and we're fucking him. And she does this horrible, like, <laughs> crude... Um, gesture, which yeah, obviously, the, unfortunately we for, can't uh, portray. I was about to say, for the benefit of people listening to this rather than watching it, Tom has just very crudely done the uh, <laughs> sticking the dick in the vagina. Um, oh no, it's not the dick in the vagina, it's sticking the dick in Jeremy's arsehole. I uh, like Mark's uh, reaction as well. It's just like, no, Callie, like, we don't have a shared dick. And she's like, not yet anyway. <laughs> With this, like, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> that is the worst chat-up line I've ever heard. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we go from, we don't have a shared dick, to Callie basically asking him out on a date to a hippie shop in Ludlow. Like, it's not exactly, I suppose it probably, not up Mark Street, but that level of date, rather than going for, like, a coffee or a drink or dinner or a walk, doing something like going to a hippie shop in Ludlow is probably more his idea of, a museum or library type date that he would probably take somebody on. I guess, I don't, I don't know. I suppose, yeah, it's a bit closer to that, but it's also full of the sort of nonsense stuff that Mark doesn't believe in. It is, but it's very off the beaten track of like a typical first date. Yeah, I guess, yeah. But my first date with my wife was to a, a National Trust property. Oh, that's so you two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and four years later, we're married. So it's obviously worked out. <laughs> <laughs> worked a treat, yeah. Support for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 
20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin-safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawnmower 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So yeah, we joined them on their date um, and it turns out it's not quite what um, they thought it was, but it is, it's still this sort of like hippie vibe type of thing. It's a, a life regression event, isn't it? Um, and even Callie at this point, it, that seems to be too much for, for even her. And she starts making fun of it, which Mark seems to like because that's very much him. Like we, we saw... I think it was at series three when Sophie made friends with the people that do the E and Mark's very much like, come on, you need to live in the real world. Like, this is a load of nonsense. Um, but Mark's quite a funny guy. Like, he's low-key really funny when he's surrounded by people who have intellect and a similar sense of humour. Like, so much of Jeremy's conversation with Mark and Mark's humour towards Jeremy is wasted on Jeremy. But, like, in the last episode, Mark makes that great joke about the third Dimbleby brother. And here... Callie says, oh, people always say they were Napoleon or an Aztec princess. And Mark says, come on, where are all the Chinese peasants? Where are the German toilet cleaners? Which is a really clever line. But like, if it had been done towards Jeremy or Hans, it would have just been lost on them. Yeah, they'd have just shrugged and moved, like almost dismissed it entirely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So Callie notices the crystal skulls and she goes over and looks at them and she's giving Mark all this spiel about they're being crafted by ancient inhabitants inhabitants of atlantis and being powerful centers of healing and all this bollocks and mark does exactly what and i really related to this scene because mark does exactly what i did when um my wife asked me to buy her a himalayan salt lamp for christmas and i <laughs> and i was like yeah i will and she's like they're great for for relaxing the mood and um and creating really like great um great energy in the room i was like they're fucking not are they it's, <laughs> it's it's a bit of it's a bit of rock with a light inside it that's what it is it's not anything special it is not related to my like my ego or my my brain or any sort of crap like that it is a lamp <laughs> that has got a light in it crystal skulls are mark hits the nail on the head where callie says could you make that and mark says nope and she was like, could anyone? And Mark says, yes, like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> these are not genuine things. And there are many things that I will apologise for on, a pod on our podcast that I might offend people who do have these beliefs. But crystal skulls are bollocks. I will not apologise for it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, we get this. It's a bit awkward at first because Mark thinks that she's joking because she trashed, like, the, the life regression stuff. 
And then as he realizes, like, oh shit, like, she's not kidding. And again, he has to naturally sort of he ditches as he's done so many times before like his philosophy to impress her but i feel like this is probably the worst example of it though because this really does go against everything that he kind of stands for whereas like it's one thing to like bash like a historian that you know you like but to be like yeah i believe in crystal skulls and all that sort of stuff is it's quite a big departure for him but i think because we have access to his monologue it almost makes it less bad because we know full well that he's doing this just to get just to get laid. Like we know that he's doing it and we can tell from his monologue where he says, sorry, science, sorry, enlightenment, sorry, logic. We can tell that he is just doing this just for the purposes of getting his leg over. Oh, of course. Yeah. Just as every other time. <laughs> so, yeah, fast forward and we quickly find ourselves in bed with Mark and Callie and... Um... And Mark's thinking about how that was his probably best sexual experience only for Callie, just as she did with Jeremy, to immediately, like, burst that bubble. Okay, I think we have to have a talk about the whole thing. I'm sorry, the whole... The whole sexual experience. I have to say, that was very disappointing. Oh, right. I don't mean to be rude, but is that the kind of thing you usually do? As she says, like, as though... As though she's gone to watch somebody's music, like musical gig, or like has gone and seen somebody do an audition for a show. Like you know, on like the X Factor, where Simon Cowell goes, "Have you got a second song?" <laughs> that really reminded me of that being like, right. So we've tried it this way. Have you got anything else in your repertoire <laughs> that you could ever go at? <laughs> and Mark, Mark, at least in fairness, asks for some pointers. Like Jeremy just left it where it was, but I, don't, I suppose Callie didn't really give him the opportunity to. But Mark asks, what did I do wrong? Well, well I, I suppose in general... What exactly did I do wrong? Well, it was better than with Jeremy, though. With Jeremy, I had to stop him in the middle. You stopped Jeremy in the middle? I'm sorry, is this weird for you? Do you want to know? I do a, a bit. He's like a red setter bounding after a tennis ball. You're like a captain solemnly going down with his ship. My God, it's so brilliant, that, that line. In fact, I think that is probably my favourite line, actually, because I just think it's, that is arguably the best metaphor to describe both Mark and Jez I've ever heard. It is brilliant. And Mark's reaction to that is just, oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> It's so fitting. I love it. And it's more reason why I love Callie, because she's just no nonsense, cut straight to the point, even if that means, like, hurting people's feelings, which I think would get, you know, if she stuck around, I think that would, you know, you'd grow to hate her. But as a one-off, I think it's spectacular. Well, it was really interesting as a comparison between at the end of series four, where Mark and Sophie go for relationship counselling, and she makes a comment about feeling unfulfilled and that Mark uh, has an orgasm quite a long time before she does. Mark was so embarrassed and distraught about that. Whereas I don't know whether it's the situation. It's just the two of them. They are just post sex. So that might make a difference to his mood or whatever, but he sort of takes it all on board and he says, Oh, this could be a good system. Like it could work. Yeah, I, I think it's key that the difference is that, for all we know, Callie could be a one-off, whereas the thing with Sophie, they're like 
fairly deep into their relationship and i think the the main thing obviously is that the therapist is there so there's a stranger in the room and mark's always hyper aware of you know what everyone thinks of him so i think that is what what dials it out but you're right he's he's sort of willing to to take some pointers to to improve his skills and i think this is probably his dream come true really isn't it well it is to a certain extent but Callie says, right, I'm going to take your hand and put it there. The mind, the mind boggles. But uh, like she says, I'm going to move your hand around like this. You can do that. Yeah, that's fine. And then Mark says, not a problem, but in his internal monologue is saying, Is this humiliating? It is a bit humiliating. I guess the upside is that what I was doing before was humiliating in a way I wasn't even aware of. He is consciously aware that what he's doing and this whole system of her basically he's literally the puppet and she's just moving him to where she wants him which i find really peculiar like from a from a just a perspective of the relationship between Callie and Mark like there aren't many women who will like there's there's no presence for Mark there in any situation mark is literally basically short of her basically moving him up and down and, and getting him to th- like thrust thrusting him He's an unwilling participant, not a willing participant, but an un, um, like he's not involved in the sex really. He's, he's yeah, he's entirely passive, isn't he? Yeah, he's passive. Like, the word um, I was looking for. He's and he acknowledges that where he's saying like, oh, this is sort of like my dream, really, like to be almost. It turns out my preference is to be almost entirely absent for most of the sex act. Yes, and when he had the incident with Dobby in the in the cupboards when he, he I think he refers to himself as like a, a filthy statue or something and I, I seem to remember there's another bit uh, I think even further back where he refers to himself as like a mannequin or something like that so he's definitely got this thing where he wants to be he wants to be shagged rather than he wants to shag someone if that, if that makes sense he's quite happy for them to do all the work <laughs> yeah well we don't see Mark having sex as much as we see Jeremy having sex but like, we never actually see him getting down to it with Sophie or Dobby, I don't think. We see him just before or just after. The only people we ever see him actually having sex with are Valerie. It might just be Valerie. Uh, no, Natalie, of course, last episode. Oh, of course. Yeah, well, he is complete. Well, that's a slightly different situation and we're not going to go back into that. But, like, with Valerie, he's basically just humping. She's the one who's making it a bit more interesting (laughs) and by interesting you mean choking (laughs) well yeah but at least there's something else happening other than just the sex no i know what you mean (laughs) so we skip forward to the following day and mark and callie have just arrived back at the festival haven't they and but actually to be fair they're probably at the festival aren't they because they're staying in her motorhome yeah, so the, we've had the break at this point, and then when we come back from the break, it, it's clear that they're they're at the festival, yeah. Yeah, um, and Callie says, right, Hans and I have had a big chat, and and we're really into your idea. And Mark quite rightly goes, my idea? Like, this wasn't my idea. Um, and Callie confirms that she wants to get rid of Jeremy. And her um, metaphor for this is fantastic, because she says something about having a chocolate bar and if half of it was made of chocolate and half of it was made of human shit, you'd just break off the half that was made of human shit. <laughs> and Mark's like, I don't think that's a fair analogy. Like, Jeremy might be bad, but he's not human shit bad. And again, it's more proof that 
she mentions that her and Hans have discussed it and that they want to, to ditch Jeremy. So again, it's just, you know, no loyalties between those two whatsoever. If one of them can get even a slight leg up, they will more than happily, you know, cut the rope to use the Johnson analogy to, to, to make it to the top. Um, but, but they're sort of, they're interrupted, aren't they? As Mark spots Jeremy getting baptised in the background. Yeah, and he says, I can't let him out of my sight for a minute. Um, and Callie then gets a phone call or a text message, doesn't she? And says, oh, shit, like, the chemicals have read the appendix. I'm going to have to disappear and try and sort this out. Which is funny because I, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, Jeremy and Hans's attitude towards signing a deal with someone and they'd have probably just signed the contract without reading it. And it turns out Callie is the sort that pulls dodgy deals because the Chemical Brothers had the sense to, to actually read it and they realised they're probably getting shafted. Yeah, so very true. Knows what Hans and Jez have signed up to. So Callie dumps it onto Mark and just says, right, can you do me a favour, tell Jeremy he's not playing tonight? And Mark says, no, 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 not my job to do. You're the manager, I'm the roadie. And Callie, for some unbeknown reason, just says... But it'll be better coming from you. You'll say better lies about him not being terrible. Mark's awful. Mark's awful at doing that. Mark can't, like, um, soften the blow at all. No, Mark's always been terrible at um, any sort of... I guess it's not conflict in this instance, but having an honest and to-the-point conversation, like, he's always been terrible at that. Yeah, and especially in this situation, he ends up dropping in the fact that he's also dating Callie at the same time. I love how, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, while I'm here, while I'm delivering bad news, I may as well. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> Two he, birds. <laughs> yeah. So Jeremy comes back from being baptised and... God, I'm the messenger. Somebody please shoot the messenger. Hey, Mark, I just got baptised. This is Ronnie. He was my baptizer. Thanks, Ronnie. Peace be with you, Jeremy. Yeah, peace be with you too, Ronnie. <clears throat> Yeah, the organisers were pretty keen for me to get it done before the show. Initially, I was a bit iffy, but then I thought, you know, gig in front of hundreds of people, fuck it. Plus, there's like maybe a 1% chance that the whole Jesus thing could be true. Sorry, Ronnie. In which case, I've got something to pull out of the bag on Judgment Day. Huh. Yes, right. Just walk him into the car park and shoot him in the back of the head. I'm Tony Soprano, he's an FBI stripper. Jeremy does not take it very well, but... Mark doesn't butter him up. He says, Callie told me, she and Superhands, they want you out of the band. Like, he's just going absolutely nuclear. He's like, well, I'm just going to chuck everybody under the bus. He could have just said Callie. Yeah, well, I think he's just as trying, and I think he knows that he doesn't want to, you know, he's the messenger and he doesn't want to be shot. So it's just pin all the blame on as many other people as I can. So Jeremy's mad at them. So it takes the heat off me, which is very, very Mark. Yeah, and Mark says, right, I'm going to chuck in an extra bit of information here. And he's like, yeah, because yeah, we're going out now. And uh, she told me she had this idea. And I said, no, I don't. That's literally what I said. <laughs> and Jeremy picks up on the first bit. And it reminds me of when Jeremy does it with Elena later on, where he's like, da -da 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 -da, I love you. Da -da 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 -da. And she, yeah, yeah. she starts talking and then goes, Jeremy, I love that. I, I love that you love me. But this instant, Jeremy says it as the first thing he says, where he goes, You're screwing Callie? I'm out of the band? They can't just do this to me, can they? Hmm? Seem to get away with the Callie thing. Well, you'll have to break up with her. What? Oh, no, Jez. She's trying to shaft me, Mark. You've got a dumper. It's a no-brainer. It is not a no-brainer. I'll have to think about it. it. It's a brainer. It's a real brainer. See, the, the thing is, I... I don't think 
I've ever done sex right before. Oh, you're fine, mate. Just stick with missionary. You're a sexual civilian. Leave the disgusting stuff to me. Callie's teaching me. She, she, she gives me second by second detailed instructions of what to put where for how long. That's cheating. Anyone can please a woman if she tells you what to do. You're not allowed to ask. That's the whole point. Look, if, if I break up with her, I don't see myself having good sex ever again. Unless I'm, like, going on holiday to Hawaii and the plane crashes and all my fellow survivors are women sex therapists on their way to a conference. And even then, there'd probably be loads of male sex therapists there too, and they'd love that, wouldn't they? All fucking each other and giving each other tips while I sit on a rock wanking and crying. <laughs> oh, God. I love how Mark just goes, and that, that runs for so long, that analogy, it just goes, you know, as his mind goes and goes and goes, and it's like, hang on, what, what were we talking about, almost? And we've said this so many times with, it so doesn't have to be acted by David Mitchell, because he would have done that exact sort of rant on any panel show that he's on. Definitely, definitely. Um, so they they plan to try and win super hands back first that's jeremy wants to try and appeal to him to try and get back on side stay in the band um so they go and find him and um as they're heading over jeremy's sort of a bit conscious obviously that now mark slept with callie he's a bit like shit like what does he know so he says so did callie tell you about her and me much no. God, no. Don't worry. Nothing like that. She stopped him in the middle. I'll save that for a rainy day. That's money in the bank. Brilliant from Mark. It kind of threw me back to the end of the wedding when Jez is just like, I was just going to chuck it on top of all my other mouldering resentments. And Mark's like, yeah, stick it on the bill. Yeah. Uh, it's just that very much like Mark and Jez. That's just the nature of their relationship where they'll just, yeah, we'll start. That's... That's money in the bank that I can throw in his face at any other time that I, I see fit. Not very healthy, is it? <laughs> no, God, no. So we relocate to Jeremy and Mark finding hands in the caravan that has presumably been su supplied for them to stay in. And walks in and Hans has gone from his quite presentable looking um, sort of man at the Christian festival to he's wearing like eyeliner yeah, really heavy eyeliner, isn't it? He's... And he's clearly rolling a joint. And Jeremy's like, what's going on? Like, Where are the, where did you get drugs from? Well, Kelly came through with a bit of herb the Christos keep on the down low. <sighs> Bishop weed. Kelly told Mark I'm out of the band. What the hell's going on? It's a disgrace. I'm cut up about it. I told Kelly, I said, for me, this is almost a resigning matter. Right, so are you going to walk? Almost did, mate. Almost fucking did. I kicked off big time. But then I thought, maybe I can work from the inside. No point both of us getting kicked out of the band. But we are the band. Look, all I'm hearing is that you're out of the band. That's what everyone's saying. That's all I'm hearing. Jez is out of the band. Now you're saying it. I'm quoting. And Hans does everything he can to, like, dodge around the question. And it's... The way that Hans treats this, it's funny what you say about dodging it all. It's very much like the politician's answer and we saw so many really great um like meme versions of this sequence with, with the whole dominic cummings thing i don't want to touch too much on politics again because um we we talked about it at the time um but there's loads of great you know like remixes of that conversation yeah um, 
Yeah, Hans is doing some pretty hard, there's not just weed on that table, you can see a couple of fat lines of Chang on there as well, like someone's really come through for to supply him. Right, that's the way it is, fine. Can I take a bit of drugs? Love to, mate, love to, but this is all mine and I want it all. So, gotta be a no. And that's another scene that's really memed at the moment, especially with like the release of loads of new games on like PS4 and the new PS5. Somebody did one with like the new Modern Warfare for Call, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's like, can I have a little bit of hard drive space? And, <laughs> and it's just like the PS5 going, uh, the Modern Warfare going, love to, mate, love to, but this is all mine and I want it all. So, got to be a no. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, and I got as well the vibes of when, um, at the end of that exchange, when Hans is, Hans is just like, say, like, maybe you should fuck off. And it kind of reminded me of, um, when Mark asks Saz for that dance and she's like, babe, like, I'm kind of busy. So can you fuck off? <laughs> and right back to series one where that bloke, is it Barry? It's like, I think it's time if you two fucked off now. Oh yeah. Way, way back. Yeah. yeah. Is that, that the first episode even? Yeah, it's the war in yeah. factions, isn't it? When they're both chasing after Tony. Um, yeah, that's right. But Mark tries to soften the blow and not tries to see the positives because he's obviously doing it just to shut Jeremy up. But he's like, maybe go solo, Jez. Do the things you've always wanted. That rap thing with Howard Marks. God knows what that was. <laughs> um, but Jeremy isn't bothered. He's like, he thought that Hans would be his way back in, but it clearly isn't going to be. So he goes off to try and find her to say, well, I've got to talk around. Mark, you can be my spin doctor. Tell her why I'm brilliant. Get get me back in. And Mark says, I'll I'll try that. But just remind me again why you're so, like, absolutely um, essential to the band. I mean, I know why, but it's, it's good to have sound bites ready. So they go back to the motorhome, the caravan thing that Mark and uh, Callie have been staying in. And... They knock on the door, there's no answer. So Jeremy just goes in. It's a strange one to go from trying to reason with her to, oh no, she's not here? Well, let's just go fucking mental then. That decision is made in 10 seconds. Yeah, and the first thing he says is, like, we can piss on something. <laughs> what have these That's boys That's his reaction got? to everything. <laughs> well, it's Mark's reaction with everything. Mark pisses on a lot of things. He pisses in the food... Uh, banditos he pisses on the documentation at jlb jeremy doesn't oh, yeah. tend to do that quite as much but jeremy's just lost his mind by this point it's like yes mark come on it's all fucked this is rock and roll she screwed me over and now it's her turn and as he's doing this he's just going around the room throwing eggs on the floor uh tipping stuff out the fridge throwing things out of the cupboards just absolutely trashing the gaff let's fuck this place up with a hammer of the gods Oh, yeah, take that, teabag tin. Yes, no! She smashed my dreams. Let's smash her caravan. Come on! I could make the best of it. Go for a freebie on the skull. He'll get the blame. I'll bank mate points. I'm golden. <laughs> Unlucky, pal. I win. Oh, fuck! The Revenge of Atlantis. And again, and I, we keep harping back to similarities, this is very similar to when they at the end of series six where they're or the beginning of series six where they're trashing jlb and marks like, what can i do that is at the minimum amount of damage that will still allow me to seem like i'm on side with this with this riot <laughs> so he smashes the skull but then ends up cutting his hand at the same time yeah i think that was only gonna 
only going to end that way. Like to smash that with a brick, like that. If that thing is solid glass, like that's going to shatter into loads of pieces, and that's going to really, that's going to explode almost. Well, mate, it's been made by the shamans of Atlantis, so uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably going to curse him for like three million years. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, exactly. And Mark makes that great comment, doesn't he, where he's just like, fuck it, if its healing powers are so legendary, it can heal itself. Yeah, exactly. And Mark just thinks, right, when's this savagery going to end? Like, let's just stop this orgy of destruction because I don't want to be here when Callie gets back. And I think Mark presumably just thinks that Jeremy will carry the can for it. I think Mark presumably doesn't expect Jeremy to throw him under the bus because ultimately Mark was complicit in that. He doesn't try very hard to stop Jez. Oh, no. It's the it's the classic thing of Mark saying, like, oh, we shouldn't do this before either allowing it to happen or actively getting involved himself. Yeah. So they leave the caravan and Jeremy just waits outside for Callie to come back. And one of the... Another really low-key quality line and another subtle dig at Christianity when Jeremy just, in his internal monologue, just goes... Christian security. He's obviously seen the bloke opposite him. He's like, Christian security? What's he going to do? Excommunicate me. <laughs> <laughs> and just waits for Callie to come back. Yes, I've been looking for you everywhere. I'm sure you have. I got a call from Superhands. He's having an ego attack. He's driving to Festivus with all the windows down, shouting his own name. Reckons he's going to make a supergroup out of hard-flying Kaiser Chiefs. He's talked about that before. Superhands! Yeah, so at that point, Callie then sort of turns it, the whole situation on its head again, and it's just like, right, so do you want to lead the show, Jess? And he's like, shit, like, obviously yes, but knows exactly what's waiting in the caravan for them both. Um, so she goes to, to head back in, and um, we get another one of those great, like, am I actually going to do this? As he prepares to throw Mark entirely under the bus. And boy, does he do it big time. Mark, you went mental. Oh, my God. It's a mess. What the hell happened? Yeah, this is classic Mark, I'm afraid. He does this sort of thing the whole time. He's passive-aggressive. He won't say anything. He just smashes. <gasps> but my skull, my crystal skull. Yeah, he hates the skulls. He smashed it and then cut his hand in a kind of mad fury. God, how could he? Well, he hates being told what to do in bed. He hates you for pushing me out of the band. I was like, dude, these things happen. But he was like, no! That's when he did the eggs. Really? Yeah. He's weird, twisted, vindictive. He draws horrible cartoons of you and then wraps them up in sausage meat and calls you a sausage muncher. Jesus. On the bright side, he wanted to shit on the sofa, but I managed to stop him. And Jeremy's just awful. It's absolutely shocking what he says here. There is one little nugget of truth, though, is that a line that Jez says is, like, he's weird, twisted and vindictive. Like, at least that bit is very true of Mark. But, yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve the, the full blame for this. But the main crux of that line is he says he draws horrible cartoons of you and then wraps you up in sausage meat and calls you a sausage muncher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so... Jeremy somehow still manages to play the gig. Yeah, I mean, Callie buys it. Yeah. So Jeremy's playing and we can only see him 
So it's obviously the mo- it's obviously the um, point of view of somebody who's in the the crowd because at this point we don't know how big the crowd is. First proper gig, dicked over Mark, but that's fine. This is worth it. He's what it's all about. He's having a great time. When it just turns around, it's just the one guy like loving life in the middle of the tent on his own, and this is basically as good as it gets for Jeremy's musical career in the entire run of the show. Yeah, I don't think we ever really see him performing ever to a crowd, other than this moment, because he doesn't get on stage like when it's the Danny Dyer's Chocolate Homunculus, like he tries to get on but doesn't. The Fuck Bunker gig, um, they don't actually end up performing. I'm trying to think of any other examples. No, that's it. Those are the only yeah, times. So this they... is it. That's his peak. Yeah. <laughs> Crowd of one. Um, so we then cut to Mark and he's waiting for Callie. Obviously, Mark's just oblivious to this in- entire um, being thrown under the bus. So he's waiting for Callie to come and pick him up. Ah, there she is. Leaving with the one. Not a bad weekend, all told. Got myself a girlfriend. Had the best sex of my life. Did my bit to delay the dawning of the age of Aquarius with my trusty friend, the house brick. She's giving me the finger. The one is giving me the finger. Ah, yes, that's more like it. The one is gone. The familiar gut punch of pain and confusion is back. Hello, old friend. And, uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode, then. Fancy a punt on the quizzy. Shit a bit of data out of that bunged-up brain box. I'll do the buttons. Do the answers. Okay, right. Quiz time. Are you ready? It's my turn to be Quizmaster. Hopefully I'll do better than you did last week. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, last week was not one of my uh, stronger performances. Okay, I have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions. So let's get into it. So, number one. Which label do the band have their meeting with at the start? Oh, we talked about this quite extensively. Universal. Correct. In which city is the Festivus? It's the Wolverhampton Festivus. Very good. And then when Jeremy's told that he'll be performing at Festivus, what stage will they be playing on? Oh, is it like the like the new bands or the new act stage? Closer with the second. It's the Axe Tent. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Then up next, uh, what DVD set does Hans bring on tour? The Barchester Chronicles. Very good. And while the band were originally supposed to be playing at Festivus, what festival do they actually end up at? They end up at Life 08. Very good. According to Mark's market research, how much is the Christian rock download market worth? I knew this was going to come up. I knew it. Is it 40 million? Yeah, 40, 40 million plus, he says. Very good. And then finally, uh, when Super Hans has his ego attack, he's planning on making a super group with which two bands? Hard and Kaiser Chiefs and I will point out that 40 million downloads is 40 just downloads only that's not even the CD market <laughs> yeah exactly very good yep hard find the the Kaiser Chiefs is correct so that's a strong showing that's uh, six out of seven very good 
Cool. All right. Uh, there we are then. Uh, yeah, that just wraps us up for episode five of series five. So thank you for joining us as always. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, please do take a moment to either subscribe if you haven't already or to leave a review with us as well, as that really helps the show out uh, to uh, promote us to a wider audience. Um, and another thing as well is the, the podcast awards. We keep talking about it, but we'll talk about it again. Um, so we are up for the Listener's Choice Award, so I will leave a link in the description down below uh, that you can follow, and if you haven't voted and you want to show a bit of support for the podcast, then uh, please do. It only takes a minute. You just have to uh, leave your email address, I think, and uh, take a confirmation email. So um, if you've got I multiple think... email addresses, then... <laughs> yeah, scam the system for us. That would be great. Uh, when when does the voting close for that? Is it like early mid-July? I think the award ceremony, obviously it's going to be a virtual award ceremony, but I think it's the 18th or 19th of July, so there's a, probably another month or so of voting cool. before they yeah. round it up. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with us through any of our social channels, you can hit us up on Facebook just by searching for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. On Twitter, we are at Podcast Pharaohs. Instagram, we are at Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, or you can just email us uh, at Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs at gmail.com. And if you wanted, I know we mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the show, but if you did want to sign up for Patreon, that is Patreon, which is P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Podcast Pharaohs. Cool, yep. And as I said at the top of the show, I will leave a link for that in the description as well. Okay, so uh, that wraps us up for this week. Join us next week for the finale, episode six of series five, which is called Mark's Women, and uh, Mark's celebrating a promotion, and uh, boy, does he try to abuse the power a little bit. Yes. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Yep, so that wraps us up. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and thank you, as always, for joining me, Rob. We want to wallow in our own filth, Mark. Have a good old fucking wallow.